Thank you for tuning in to Uncommon Women, a podcast that provides a platform for women of all walks of life to share their upbringings, life lessons learned, experiences, and journeys to come. Uncommon Women speaks on topics that can relate to all women. We share, we listen, we laugh, we cry, and we empower each other to be the best uncommon woman that they can be. Ultimately, we are cultivating a global movement of women supporting women. Women supporting entrepreneurship, relationships, self-love, and so much more. We inspire each other to make an impact on this world for the better. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Uncommon Women. Now, finally, grab a seat, get comfortable, and hear from your wonderful host, Shanira and Jenny Lee. Hi, kings and queens. Thank you so much for tuning in to Uncommon Women. I'm Shanira. And I'm Jenny Lee. And today we have an amazing guest speaker that's going to be coming with us um, up on the platform in just a moment. Uh, today we're going to be speaking on controlling your emotions. I know there's a lot of people that go through things and we're not sure how to express it or people to actually talk to or get advice and um, from a professional aspect of depression and having anxiety and even having um, anger problems and not really showing knowing how to express yourself so today uh without further ado we do have a guest speaker that's going to be coming on and sharing and helping us today with that uh just to give you a little bit about um our guest speaker her name is lucia uh, she is a licensed psychotherapist and registered dance slash movement therapist she has been in a private pack practice since 2014 uh, Lucia specializes in treating women who are suffering with anxiety and depression and who are ready to move beyond a fear-based life. Lucia is a founder of Be Brave Psychotherapy and Empowerment Coaching for Women, LLC in Denver. Uh, she utilizes traditional psychotherapy in combination with dance moves and drama therapy. So thank you so much, Lucia, for tuning in and being a part of Uncommon Women today. Uh, before we get into the good stuff, can you uh, share a little bit um, about your life and how was it growing up? Sure, absolutely. And thank you for having me on the show today. Yes. Yeah. So I am actually from a, a little Midwestern town in Ohio called Warren, Ohio, um, population about 30,000. Uh, my parents are Italian immigrants, and uh, I grew up with a very large um Heard like family, everyone in each other's business all of the time. I think I have about 200 relatives that live within a five mile radius oh, wow. of each other. I, I was just there last week visiting um, and uh, yeah, I, I had a wonderful childhood. I grew up with a lot of um, uh, Italian ideals and a lot of uh, just um, a close, a close knit family and really uh, a, a, an intense value of, mm. of family and yeah. and staying close to them and and really nurturing those those relationships. Mm, that's good. So I'm sure you get a lot of authentic food too. Yes, my, well, my um, my dad my dad uh, owned a catering business for 40 years. Wow. So we nice. had access to fantastic food and my entire family is actually in the restaurant business. So we in this, the city of Warren, Ohio, we, um, you know, our family is uh, well known in the restaurant business. Okay, <laughs> That's awesome. So let's jump right into um, what a lot of women are going through and even men these days. Uh, first, before we get into the details, can you explain the difference between, sorry, I talk with my hands. Can you explain the difference between a panic attack and actually having an anxiety attack? Yeah, so a panic disorder is actually separate from having an anxiety disorder. You can have panic attacks when you, when you have an anxiety disorder, but panic disorder is really about, um, it's, it's basically when you have these very severe um, physical symptoms that can often feel like you are going to die. So extreme um, heart palpitations, trouble breathing, um, 
tremoring. It can really feel like um, you're having a, a heart attack. Um, so, and, and you just completely lose control physically, emotionally. It's, it's a very scary episode. And so people who have panic disorder can have two types of panic attacks. They can have uh, a panic attack that is triggered. So they may, um, they may experience something, a situation that is triggering for them. And so it does bring that on. But a lot of people with panic disorder, um, have talked about not having any triggers and that it just suddenly comes on and they will suddenly have difficulty breathing. Um, they aren't able to function. It's, it's very scary and they don't know when it's going to happen. So um, what panic disorder is, is it's, it really becomes this fear of trying to control not having a panic attack because one of the worst fears is for them to have one in public. And so what comes with panic disorder is a lot of um, avoiding social situations, um, agoraphobia, and just really a lot of loneliness and isolation wow. in that. With, with anxiety attacks, anxiety attacks build up over time. So they're not like this acute burst, like a panic okay. attack is. Okay. So like an, an anxiety attack will build over time. So you may start not sleeping. Um, you may start having shakiness and tremoring, um, excessive worrying over time, right? And it just it will build and build until you do start having these kind of severe somatic symptoms. Wow. Okay. Um, and that's actually what happened with me because I, I do have an anxiety disorder myself. I have OCD. Um, and so it was sort of like building blocks until it finally got to the point where I wasn't able to function. Mm -hmm. So they, they are two very separate things, though panic attacks can occur within anxiety disorders. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, when you have an anxiety uh, attack, um, how do you manage or how do you cope when you feel like anxiety uh, is coming on or is it hindering your life or even your career or any thing or any circumstance in your life? Yeah, I, I think that the, the first thing that we really have to do is be honest with ourselves okay. and be honest that we are, we are suffering. Uh, many of us don't want to admit that we are having difficulty. Uh, we may see it as a weakness. We may not even be aware of what's happening to us. Uh, some of us are so used to being anxious that it just becomes a natural part of our, right. our lives. So we've just learned to cope with it over time. Um, but it's really no way to live your life. And so I really try to encourage people to to seek out a therapist and particularly seeking out a therapist that specializes in anxiety who uses cognitive behavioral therapy um, and cognitive behavioral therapy is looking at your your thoughts your thought patterns your core beliefs about yourself and and we pick up beliefs about ourselves from the time we're we're born by our parents right. they instill a lot of beliefs in us and as as we get older and go to school we also we a lot of beliefs are instilled in us. So we, we really start picking up things that don't serve us a lot mm -hmm. of times and a, a lot of thought patterns that are very negative and aren't even true. And so with cognitive behavioral therapy, if you have a therapist that specializes in that, they are able to help you to sort of come through your thoughts and look at like, what are you believing about yourself that really isn't true and really can be challenged um, what are you catastrophizing in your life? What is really not a big deal? What stories are you telling yourself that um, really are just, we tell ourselves so many stories and the mind just goes wild with um, putting meaning to things where there doesn't necessarily have to be any meaning. Like we, we buy into our thoughts too easily and thoughts are just thoughts. Actually, they aren't us. We have thousands and thousands of thoughts in a day. And so 
we choose to um, attach to thoughts often that are scary to us. Um, and so if you're able to seek out a therapist who can help you to come through that, that's really going to help you to cope and start realizing, start being more conscious of what your inner monologue is during the day. What are you saying to yourself all day about your life and about yourself and how you feel about yourself? What, what are you saying? So that, that's always the first thing that I, I really want to encourage people to do, particularly women to do, is to really seek that help out. Um, also, you know, having a group of women around you is yeah. so important. Um, and I really feel that women sometimes are very um, violent with each other, actually. <laughs> I, 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 I do, like psychologically violent, and it, it's, it's a big um, soapbox for me. I can't stand mm-hmm. that. Uh, and I. Mm-hmm. Cattiness, <laughs> the cattiness. Yeah, yeah. right. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm actually leading a few workshops and groups uh, regarding that subject and really how to break down those, those barriers and bring women back together because we're so powerful when we're together. Mm-hmm. And we, we do need other women to be walking beside us. You don't necessarily yeah. need need friends who are going to tell you exactly what to do or hand mm-hmm. out all this advice. You need people who just love and value you mm-hmm. and who will walk beside you, sit beside you, who who know who you are mm-hmm. and who will help you to remember who you are. Yes. You know, because anxiety takes that away from us. Anxiety takes us away from who we really are because we are so consumed with our worries. And um, we're not living in the present moment anymore. I agree. And I, um, I believe, you know, you have to um, be aware of the company that you're keeping around you and uh, the influences they have on your life. So like if you're speaking negative to yourself and then you have other people speaking negative to you, yes. like you said, the, the stories that we make up in our minds start we we feel like it's an agree we start to agree with it and um you have to be you know aware of those signs and be able to change it around for the positive now for the people that aren't able to um you know not necessarily think out the box but for people that aren't able to look at the good when they're going through a whole bunch of stuff. Do you feel as though that can lead to depression? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, and, and honestly, when you're going through a lot of stuff, it, it is too much to ask to be looking at the positive. Like I, <laughs> right. I, uh, I used to be one of those therapists that was, and I still am, you know, very positive psychology, right? And, um, you know, that we need to think positive, but sometimes it's just not possible. Right. right. Like yeah. sometimes we are in situations where we don't have access to that anymore. Yeah. Um, we're, in, we're in such a dire situation. Right. And so, um, yes, absolutely. Depression and anxiety coexist okay. together um, along with worthlessness and hopelessness that comes with both of those, those diagnoses. And that's why I really encourage people to to get to a professional you know, before that's happening, to, before you get to the point where depression has now taken over. Right. Um, because when you get into worthlessness and you start buying into that belief, then it becomes dangerous. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, you're, you're really buying into a, a belief that certainly isn't true. Right. That that your life is meaningless. That lie. Right. Yeah. yeah. That lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, can you speak? Um, I know there's all there's types of de, uh, de, uh, depression. Can you explain like how many and what they are? Yeah, like there, there's actually several forms of depression. Um, mm. The uh, most common is major depressive disorder. And, and that is when an individual will have depressive symptoms all day, every day, uh, for at least two weeks and up to several months. Um, and, and depressive symptoms are really, um, you know, lack, lack of sleep, 
uh, withdrawal from activities that you usually loved and mm -hmm. you're passionate about, you really lose a lot of passion for the things that you you treasure and love to do. Mm -hmm. um, just social isol isolation, staying away from the people that are meaningful to you, not engaging in relationships, a lot of sadness, yeah. just extreme sadness. Um, physical pain can also come with it. Uh, there are a lot of people that do experience um, pain, uh, just aching in their bodies, um, needing to sleep a lot, just mm -hmm. really um, not even able to, to basic functions of life, showering, you know, okay. taking care of yourself, eating, right? A lot of times people will, will not eat or they will overeat. overeat. Right, or difficulty concentrating, not being able to accomplish a task or accomplish just really small things that normally you are able to do. And um, it, it's just, it, it's such a, a terrible situation um, and can feel so hopeless. And, and that's the most, I believe, dangerous um, type of depression okay. and the one that usually can lead people to worthlessness, helplessness, hopelessness, and um, eventual wanting thoughts of taking their, their lives. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's another form that's um, like a, a bit less um, intense called dysthymia. Okay. And that's sort of like a, a chronic form of depression, but it's not as severe as um, as major depressive disorders. Okay. So you have like okay. these underlying uh, symptoms of depression, but you're still able to function in okay. life. But you do have like a lot of um, just feelings of insecurity, feelings mm. of uh, worthlessness, uh, just no m motivation to engage socially, um, okay. not feeling very passionate about anything in particular in your life. So um, just a lot of sadness and isolation. It's it's the same basically, but you're still able to like get up and go to work, or, right? To get up and you know, take, take care of your children and you know all of those those things. Um, okay, so it's like you do the things that you have to do, but everything else is like, nah, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. Right, and that that can go on for several years. So some wow. people. Um, wow. Yeah, with dysthymia, I believe the criteria is that you have had to have experienced that for two years or more in there. And, and some people have it all their lives, and it's really just chronic. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so they're also a very um, difficult, sad situation um, that deserves and, and needs um, treatment, um, and that often people aren't aware I'm about that. to say, it sounds like a cover-up too, because like yeah. you're still, yeah. still kind of depressed and not aware of it. Is that how it typically goes? Wow. Yeah, absolutely. You become so numb to it. You know, you just don't know the difference. It's just like, well, this is this is my life, and mm -hmm. and you start and you believe in your thoughts too, right? Like my life really yeah. does suck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. Okay. But actually, it doesn't. <laughs> you know, there's some wonderful things, but your thoughts are so distorted mm. when you're in that kind of depression that you don't realize that you're, again, you're telling yourself a story. Mm. Interesting. Um, yeah. um, do you believe that depression can be hereditary? It, it is, it's suspected to be hereditary. So they mm. haven't found any conclusive evidence <laughs> of that. So like, basically, like I remember in graduate school, there was never like a clear definition right. about it. It was like, well. Let's just say it is, and then people might not know it. Yeah, it's like your, your chances are better if, if you have a relative that is suffering from depression. But okay. oftentimes they do, they do like to stress that like, so it's about 40% that can be attributed to genetics. Okay. And then sixty. I don't know where they got these numbers, but this is what the research said. But 60 percent is based on other aspects of of your life, like situational aspects mm -hmm. of your life. And so, um, you know, it just it it. There's just no uh, direct answer, right, for that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
there, there's also um, depressive psychosis that you can mm -hmm. have. So you can have psychosis and depression. You can have hallucinations and you can have um, delusions. Uh, like delusional oh, wow. thoughts. So you can lose touch with reality. It's not that common, but it, it okay. does happen. Um, there's also, I'm sure you guys have heard of PMDD. Um, it's premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So no, women who, I haven't. Oh, no, okay, yeah. I haven't. It's, it's women who have intense um, symptoms of PMS. So if you think about your own symptoms of PMS, you want to like double that. Um, wow. Yeah, it's and what happens is it's not only with the physical symptoms they have, but that they get um, extreme depression and anxiety two weeks usually before their uh, period starts. Right after ovulation, they start experiencing these severe forms of depression and anxiety, um, and it's obviously very hormonally based. Oh wow, um, I didn't know that. I got a little yeah. answer. Yeah, and yeah. so that's. That's often true. Yeah, well, definitely, because I mean, when we are going through that time, I mean, we go through a lot of mood swings. I know. I'm about to say the mood swings is definitely <laughs> the mood swings. <laughs> like, I mean, because I, yeah. I, I usually got to check myself and be like, why am I feeling so depressed? Why am I feeling so sad? Wow. Yeah. Really wow. <laughs> I, know. I know. And, uh, you know, yeah. And I, I think, and honestly, like, depression is more common in women and so is anxiety and it is because of horm so many hormonal shifts mm. in us, mm -hmm. right like i mean we go you go through puberty earlier than boys mm -hmm. do uh you know and then there's um you know if, if you have a child pregnancy right mm -hmm. and then um gosh uh, perimenopause going through right. menopause like all of those like shifts and changes that really do affect our mood stability you know and so as so as women that's um that's a crux that i think is really hard to um hard to admit i think mm -hmm. and hard to make connection to and that really gets um not taken seriously Right. I think that's like really put like, oh, it's just your hormones. Right? So we got to keep everything else together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's, oh, that's my goodness. And it's and like, we can't have thing. a, we can't have an excuse. It's my hormones. And it's like, <laughs> everyone, you know. <laughs> but it's it's not just hormones for women. That Women are also more susceptible to depression because there's so much inequality for us. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. in our in our country. Well, I mean, in the world. But right. So we. We face a lot of inequality. We face a lot of pressure. Um, we have to wear a lot of hats. So, right. mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. you're you're asked to be an amazing parent while being an amazing, um, you know, career-minded woman mm -hmm. uh, while being an amazing partner and mm -hmm. keeping your house clean. And like, I, I don't. There's just best friend. Like it's so much. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. It, is. it is a <laughs> lot. Yeah. There's so much there, and so uh, and so much that I think again isn't taken seriously for women. Um, that makes us more likely. We're also more likely to be the victims of physical and sexual abuse, which can will also lead to depression. Right. Wow. Yeah. Well, you just say that depression is more common in women. Um, how about men? Is it more common than them or just less? And it, can it also change uh, a person's personality? Um, you know, it is it is statistically less common in men. Um, and I'm not exactly, like, the evidence isn't, isn't really clear. I wonder if they're expressing Right. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. And that w women are actually more likely to seek out mental health um, help than men are and that's why you okay. have, you see all those ads for you know man therapy right mm -hmm. so that men will actually go and talk about this this stuff um so i think that it's perhaps underreported as well and that women are just more can be more vocal and more open uh, mm -hmm. about that um it can change your personality of course when you're depressed you are going to um behave in very different ways uh, people who are depressed are often very fatigued and agitated. Um, they 
can have a lack of patience. Mm -hmm. um, they can be very uh, isolated and just very socially withdrawn, like not able okay. to interact um, as much as maybe they had they had before. Right. So it, it really does, when, when you are going through an episode, it, it really will um, have a, a deep effect on your, your personality. Absolutely. And the way that you interact with others. It's, it's difficult to hide depression. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's good. So how do you how do you get to coping or work through pushing, you know, past the feelings of being depressed or just going through the cycle? Um, if it's the long term cycle of depression without medication, is it would it be therapy as the next step or is there something that you can do within yourself to cope? Yeah, uh, I think there are several things that you can do, though, I. I would stress that, you know, if you're in a chronic or a major depressive episode, that that does need professional help and you do need to see a therapist. But definitely there are ways that you can um, even preempt another episode for yourself. And I think that that just takes vigilance. Um, so, you know, there are things like even just supplements, right? Mm -hmm. Looking at... Um, you know, do, do you take a multivitamin, right? I know that that's so, uh, that seems so trite, but mm -hmm. so many people don't take vitamins and that's so are, are lacking in just mm -hmm. nutrients that they mm -hmm. desperately need in order to have neurotransmitters like serotonin um, released, you know, that, that is a mood stabilizer. Um, vitamin D is actually pretty crucial for our, our mood stability. And many of us are lacking in vitamin D. Um, and that's something that you, you could go to your general practitioner and just ask to be tested for, um, you know, lack of vitamin D or, you know, if you are lacking in any other nutrients, it's, that's a way to just preempt and start taking the nutrients that you need, looking at your diet as well. Um, you know, are you eating the the sad diet, the standard American diet, right? Like that um, really does make us sad, you know? <laughs> um, doesn't contribute to, to good mood, doesn't contribute right. to happiness, right? Um, you know, talking to a, a nutritionist or a naturopath, uh, you know, I think is, is also a really good idea um, to, to seek out those kinds of professionals and look at like, hey, like what it... What am I putting in my body every day that's not um, it's not balancing me, and and that may be exacerbating my symptoms? Um, the other thing I really like to do is to help clients tap into their creativity. Um, I consider us all to be artists undercover and artists who were told that they want, they aren't artists because maybe they made a picture that somebody didn't like or they wrote a story that their third grade teacher said sucked or, you know, something right. like that. And <laughs> that they no longer consider themselves to be artists, but we all are and we are mm. all creative beings. And so uh, what I do with my clients is help them to tap back into the artist inside of them okay. and to help that to emerge their creative self, whether that's through visual art, performance art, uh, you know, I'm a dance therapist, mm -hmm. um, writing. I also do a lot of creative writing with okay. my clients, which can be so helpful. Um, so, and also the artist archetype in us is a very engaged archetype. That's a very engaged character that we have inside of us as opposed to the victim in us. We all have a victim too. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the victim is the depressed one, the isolated mm -hmm. one, the one that doesn't engage. But artists are really engaged with the world and they're always aware and they, mm -hmm. you know, they're very progressive and they see a lot of potential and things. And so, and they're present. Right. right. So that's why I, I really like working with that archetype and bringing out creativity in, in my clients. I also think tapping into spirituality is is very important as well. And it, that doesn't mean if you don't believe in, in God, if you're agnostic, you know, spirituality can just mean finding goodness, right? And finding goodness in your life, um, gratitude, mm -hmm. uh, moments that you just really enjoy and you can like soak in and linger in. 
you know, that can be your spirituality or nature can be your spirituality, but tapping into something outside of yourself, something greater that gives your life meaning, your, exi your existence meaning, because it, it does have meaning and mm -hmm. worth. Um, deep breathing, actually, <laughs> is another it's simple, thing. simple, but it's important, right? It is, yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody says to breathe, and it's like, oh, God, you know, like, that doesn't work. And it's like, well, yes, it does if you do it right, actually. <laughs> and it's doing something neurologically to your brain. It's shutting off your amygdala, which is a fear center of our brain wow. that can go haywire um, wow. if you if you let it. Um, and what happens is this part of our brain, which is the prefrontal cortex, and that's our rational brain, shuts okay. off. It stops lighting up when the amygdala starts lighting up. So we don't have access to those thoughts anymore. And you get them back through the breath. So the breath actually turns the volume on the amygdala down, and it turns this back on so that you can start making more rational choices. Like, so that there is something really special about breathing. I know I use the background of it and I have it on my watch and I'm like, start, like, okay, we'll start it. But I never, I always do it when it comes on, but I'm like, I guess it's just a moment for me to get my thoughts together. Yeah. It, <laughs> and now it you is. just basically told me that's what it is. It's, it's a moment to like check yourself. Okay, wait a minute. Like, what is my fear brain telling me? Because how yeah. often is fear talking to us all right. day long? All day long. And that's so true. we need the breath to, to really say like, okay, like that's, you know, that's not true. Or that's mm -hmm. a little much brain, you know, like calm down. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, my question is, uh, I want to go back to where you're talking about supplements. Um, how do, how do you, how can someone cope or work through pushing past, uh, without taking medication while they're depressed? What are ways that, you know, they don't have to take the medication and just figure out ways to get through the depression. There are supplements that you can take. Um, I wouldn't take them without a doctor's advice though. I would really seek out, even from your general practitioner, um, there's tryptophan that's available over the counter. There's St. John's wort that can mm -hmm. be helpful as well. Um, I wonder too, for, for you, Jenny, is there a, uh, do you, do you have any personal uh, feelings about taking SSRIs or taking um, uh, medications yourself that, because many people have beliefs about taking these medications mm -hmm. that I think can often hinder someone from getting better because they are afraid of putting those kinds of mm. chemicals in their bodies. Um, I mean, I'm not, I think it depends on the person and I'm not against it because me, I don't take, I mean, when I had my daughter, I went, I, I had them that postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I did take them, but when I was taking them, it just like made me more, it just made me more tired and just made me sleep mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. So it was like, how was I supposed to take care of a newborn baby at the yeah. time? <laughs> And this was 17 years ago, you know, and this, and it was my first time actually taking the medication, you know, and so, I mean, I'm not against it because I've seen it help others, but I just think it doesn't, I think with certain people, it doesn't really do much for them. So I think, you know, like, I think there's like, like you said, there are, t there are ways, you know, to get through the, the to get through the depression or the anxiety of, of so like, as for me, um, I mean, I, I've done techniques, you know, obviously depression does run in my family. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I do get depressed and I do get anxiety, but it's not as bad. And I can tell when I get something on, I'm already like, you know, you know, I'm doing the breathers and I'm doing, you know, techniques. Um, obviously as you get older, you know, you, you do a lot of research and you learn. So, um, like I said, um, I don't 
feel like medication is good for me, but it could help somebody else and I'm not against it. But like like with me, it just it just made me tired and it just sleep a lot. So it didn't really help me push through and yeah and to get and over the depression. Yeah, absolutely. And that's true. And uh, there's a lot of side effects that can come with, with taking mm. those medications. And I, I certainly um I was asking just because I know there's a lot of shame for a lot of people mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. in seeking out treatment and specifically when you're given a prescription for medication, right? It, it can mm -hmm. be a very like shameful moment for a lot mm -hmm. of people to go, oh, like not only do I have a diagnosis, but now I have to take medication mm -hmm. for this as well. Um, and so that was the only reason that I asked because for okay. certain people, it does really, it does really help. Mm -hmm. um, I personally was a therapist that was very um, against medication okay. for a long, long time um, until I needed it <laughs> and until I went to my, my own episode um, and couldn't you see the myself. Difference. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it worked. It worked for me. Um, but there's still there's a lot of shame in taking it. Right. And I will fully ad admit that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so uh, for me and for, for many of my clients, it really is um, not taking medication just means that you have to be, well, even when you are taking medication, if you're yeah. depressed, you have to be really vigilant right. and you need, yeah. you need a ton of support and nurturing. Um, and if you don't have that in your life, it needs to be pulled in and it needs to be created. And um, so really uh, bringing in people into your life that can care for you in those times, that can care for you as if you were sick physically, because you really are sick. Um, and you need that support, you need mm -hmm. that help. Um, and, and you need people that are going to be able to normalize this for you and give you a break, give you some time without expectation. Mm, right. I, like that. I know that's not possible for a lot of us, mm -hmm. right? I mean, yeah. it wasn't possible for me when I had my episode, my husband was working full time and we have two small children mm -hmm. and we don't know many people in Denver. I don't have family here. Okay. And so I, I had to actually vigilantly, um, not functioning very well, create this community around me to be able to support me in that way because there was no way I was going to be able to do it by myself. Mm -hmm. uh, there was no way. Uh, but in terms of supplements, there, there are a lot of supplements that you can seek out. I, I would seek the advice of a naturopath, though, if mm -hmm. you're going to do that because you don't know what's going to interact with each, right. with each other. So you have to be careful about what you are putting into your body. St. John's wort is great for some people. And it can be terrible for others. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen clients have really bad reactions with that with that over-the-counter medication. Mm -hmm. So okay. um, I think it's just it's if you're going to go the no medication route, then you have to diet, exercise. You have yeah. to go see a therapist. Mm -hmm. You have to commit to yourself. You can no longer abandon yourself. Mm -hmm. You just can't. You cannot do it anymore. And women are uh, pros at abandoning themselves. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. We're pros at everything, you know? Yeah, 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 we are. <laughs> just saying, just saying. <laughs> that was a good one. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I do have a question before we get into the portion about anger management and things like that. Um, I see that you're, uh, you create a movement for women where they can express themselves through dance. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So how, how does that typically look for one of your sessions? Um, yeah, it really depends where the client is. So I normally just start with, uh, being able to help clients to connect their thoughts to their body sensations mm. and so that they know that like this is all connected right and what the mind manifests the body manifests and, and vice versa oh, okay. um and i really i come from a theater background and so i come from a lot of knowing actor 
movement training. That's mostly where my training is. And I look at exploring, expanding, uh, expanding your movement. We become very narrow in how we present ourselves physically. And the way we present ourselves physically is also a mirror of what we believe about ourselves. Mm. Um, and so, you know, if you have some really negative core beliefs about yourself, you might be more contracted and, um, present in a certain way. So if you like watch a movie or watch a play and you see the characters in that film, you notice that the actors have a specific physicality about them, right? And so they're, they're representing that, that character's beliefs through their, through their bodies. And we all do this as well. We're all playing characters and we have very narrow ranges of who we play. Okay. Um, and we're far more than, than that. And so what I help a lot of women do is explore the narrowness of how they move, right? Mm-hmm. And I help them start getting really creative and risky, um, not like dangerously risky, but just more, you know, like outside the box of what they you know let's explore some of the other characters that live inside of you let's mm-hmm. um you know let's let's explore you know the the more sensual part of you right like how does that part move and how do they speak i use a lot of voice too like okay. how does that character speak um and so learning to also speak from the body is something that I do as well. So instead of trying to get all your information from here, I have clients really um, tap into body sensations, start tracking them, and it start monologuing and speaking from those places. And oftentimes what will start as my heart is beating so fast will uh, manifest into I just had a really terrible day Mm -hmm. and um Mm. you know I just really screwed up at work and I don't think very much of myself and like and so it just sort of explodes it can explode from there and they're really speaking from a more um authentic place Mm. when it's coming from the body and it's more of a release for them so I I work on just expanding repertoire of body movement, expanding characterization of self um, so that you can become a much more expanded, full of potential, full of your potential woman, right? Mm-hmm. That is ready to, to take, take the next steps to go out there. We work a lot on fear as well, moving through fear. Um, that is what blocks us from everything we want mm-hmm. in life and it's very subtle and it's very covert and so I do a lot of just movement based exercises in moving through fear I like that. right and what's what that's like and when they can do it metaphorically in my office it becomes easier to do it in life in the moment right and they start to notice like oh I'm I'm scared and so I'm gonna maybe lean into that fear a little bit more right? Instead of avoiding it, because that's what we all do. And then we never get anywhere. And so we have to realize when we're scared so that we can go, okay, this is my moment. Now I get to move forward. I like that. So you basically like bring out the light and uh, create uh, creativity from the human being to actually set past or step forward past the faith of the fear that they have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, fear is um, fear is so debilitating, and you know it's often it's always yes. a good, good question to ask yourself is like, what could my life look like um, if I wasn't scared, and and what am I really scared of? Oftentimes, we don't even know what we're scared of. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And agree. Can you also speak on how we can release anger and? Voicing, you know, our needs for clarity and confidence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Um, anger is a very necessary emotion, and I think one that gets a bad rap, and that we're told we shouldn't have, particularly as women, um, and that we should hide it, we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't show it, or uh, that it's just bad. Right? Mm-hmm. And so. Uh, 
I actually think that the first step in uh, being able to release anger is being able to allow yourself to have it and, and not avoid it. Mm. Um, anger is necessary for telling us when a boundary has been crossed or mm. when we, we need to set up boundaries. Um, it, it's very vital. It's good information for us. If we can see it as information, that's always a great way to approach it. Anger is also very um, movement oriented. It needs to move. Like it, it's got a lot of energy uh, and it needs to come out. <laughs> and, um, yes. and, and you know, that's often why we see so much violence in people, right? Mm -hmm. Is that like, they're, it's just hold, hold it in for <laughs> yeah. so long and then it's right. like, boom, like, mm -hmm. and, and, yeah, and you can't control it. And so, we have to release it. You have to physically allow it out of your body, whether that means that, you know, you go hold yourself up in a room by yourself and you start punching pillows. Right. Um, you put on some loud music, you dance, like you, you grunt, scream. Like I encourage clients to use your voice, let that out. Nobody's, nobody's watching you. This is just for you. It doesn't mean you're crazy. None of that, right? Like this is just what needs needs to happen. This is a biological process that needs to happen. And again, when you're doing that, after you do that, there's this release. And there's a release of endorphins. There's a release of serotonin. There's a release of dopamine in doing that, which are all mood stabilizers, right? So again, you're turning on your prefrontal cortex so that you're not out of control and in those moments, I, I encourage clients to start speaking in those moments. Like once they've released it, to start talking to themselves about the anger. And sometimes to even do like an empty chair exercise, right? Mm. Like sit that person in the room, you know, just metaphorically have them there. Mm -hmm. And show up physically the way that you wanted to show up, you know, okay. strong and confident and That's tell awesome. them. Mm -hmm. Tell them what you want to say, right? Even if you're never going to say that to them mm -hmm. in person, mm -hmm. to be able to really clarify mm -hmm. for yourself why you're so mad, right? And because underneath the anger, too, is often a lot of fear. And I think that that's something that we have to look at as well as like, am I, why am I so mad about this, right? And what right. am I scared of, too? What's the fear underneath it, too? Okay. Um, so... I really, I, I work through this process with, with my clients. Um, some of them are gung-ho about doing it in the office, oftentimes not so, and, and that's fine. But I, I do think that if you can get to the point where you can let go of your ego and just allow yourself to be in, in release, then you, you are going to be far more able to manage your anger and to understand yourself and have clarity uh, at the end of it, like, okay, there's actually a boundary that needs to be set here. Mm. I love those coping uh, skills. I remember when I was in therapy that uh, one of the exercises we tried doing was just writing everything out, like writing a letter to the person and not necessarily giving it to them, but just giving it to the person, but just reading it and then throwing away. And that, that took a lot of um, weight, you know, lifted off of me at the time, as well as just um, as well as just peace, as well as just peace overall. And, um, I think that was a great coping skill, you know, to get all, get frustration and anger out of me as well. So I like the pillow one. I definitely like the pillow yeah. one. <laughs> get it, get a punching bag. I actually bought a punching bag a few months ago and it is fantastic. <laughs> Really? I need to, maybe I need to get something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to express or speak on that we didn't cover uh, during today's uh, topics? No, I would just like to, um, I would like to encourage women to um, really question what they are believing about themselves and where those beliefs came from. Um, and that I, I really want to encourage them not to be prisoners of other people's perceptions Ooh, I like that. of them. Yeah. If, if we could free ourselves from that as women, what, what we could do mm -hmm. would be amazing. 
others' perspectives. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like that. Yeah. Um, can you speak on your business and how we can help you and let us know where you're at? Yeah. Um, so I, my business is called Be Brave Psychotherapy and Empowerment Coaching for Women. I, um, I'm in Denver, Colorado, but I also do um, telehealth sessions, so I can do online sessions okay. as well. Um, I, I, I give psychotherapy as well as empowerment coaching for women. I, I also do uh, group workshops. Okay. For empowerment of women. I do a lot of. Um, I'm also starting a women's theater company. Oh uh, wow, that's awesome! Yeah. <laughs> I'm very uh, passionate about doing that and bringing women together to um, perform for each other, tell stories. Um, so I, I'm hoping to have that coming up in the next few few months. Um, I'm also a Reiki practitioner. It's well, so I, I do. Oh, wow. Reiki. Well, multiple hats. Didn't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do Reiki for um, empowerment of women's voices. And mm. so um, my sessions are a little bit different. I give full Reiki sessions, but we also do a lot of um, vocalizing afterwards and expressing um, so that the, boy, the throat chakra can be cleared and more empowered. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much, um, Lucia, for just educating us and to those out there that, you know, that are, that have depression, anxiety, and anger. Also, um, there is a question we ask all our guest speakers. What makes you uncommon? makes me uncommon hmm. besides all the hats that she just told yeah. us about. <laughs> you know um i think what makes me sort of uncommon is that i came from a uh, a family that never would have guessed that i would be like have become an actor and <laughs> um <laughs> And like now this like empowered woman that um, oh. is starting to like set boundaries and, and tell people where to go. <laughs> and so, because I grew up a very fearful, like little scared sort of taken care of um, princess, right? And so oh. I, think, I think that uh, what makes me uncommon is that I said goodbye to all of that. And the boldness. <laughs> yeah, the boldness. Yeah, I like, and I'm, I'm proud of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. I just, I think that's incredible. And thank you again um, for coming on and educating us once again. And thank you for our listeners for tuning in. Um, definitely check out, check her out. Um, you can find her on her next week when we put her up on audio if you missed this evening um also everybody you have to check out our apparel and if you are if you want to be a potential speaker or if you know someone that wants to be a speaker as well go to www.oncomingwomen.net definitely come out and check out the website and also um just stay on comment and be who you are and stay empowered. Bye. Bye. <laughs>